0: Antitrust. That's how we defeat this. I'm Adrian Slade. Thanks for tuning in. Um, the last few podcasts, there's been a few littered throughout some of the more current event topical uh, podcasts that I've done. Some of the ones littered in between have been a resetting of the mind. You know, a reshaping the way we look at stuff, uh, resetting the, how we should view institutions, how we should view our principles, and I'm doing that because I think we need to have a good, firm understanding of how things should be so that when we go up against what we're looking at, and what I'm talking about here is the global cabal of corporations and authoritarian types who want to impose their lifestyle and their way of thinking and and their ideas upon us, we need to know that we're firm in our understanding of what liberty is the fact that we have a government that is not governing America. They're governing a post America. They just haven't told us yet. So we still think we live in America, although all's not lost. And that's what I'm getting. That's what I'm bringing up with antitrust. And we have to look at things and go, well, yeah, antitrust is a government solution. And, you know, I thought, Mr. Slade, you, you don't like big government solutions. Well, there's a role for government, and I'm even though I'm clicks away from anarchy, I'm very close, there is a limited, limited, limited role of government, and when we have all of these big corporations, uh, these ideologues who want to push a World Economic Forum agenda, which I'll get into in a minute, because sometimes I jump into these things and uh I forget sometimes we might have some new listeners. I just assume you guys have been following the program and you know where I'm coming from. But I'm going to get to an article by somebody that is uh, Michael Reckenwald. This guy's awesome. He was the professor. I can't remember which college he was at, but he was ousted because he questioned the narratives. He questioned the wokeism, and they basically pushed him out of college. Maybe it was Boston College. I can't remember. Anyways, he wrote the uh, Google Archipelago and he is now with primus and with hillsdale college. Uh, i've heard many shows with this guy and he's very it's he's one of the first ones the canary in the coal mine of those on the left who realized that the remaining left is nothing but communist <laughs> and they have no no f- uh, shared ground with the former progressive classical liberal left. but he wrote a really good article on a dumbed down condensed version of what we're dealing with with the great reset and I think that's a good way to start for people who aren't maybe aren't familiar to it but getting back to the fundamentals so we spent a lot of time getting back to constitutionality natural rights where they come from uh on a previous podcast the role of government and how antitrust can be used to stop this because we're watching this Russian invasion of Ukraine, and we're all, rah, 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 Zelensky, you know? While Zelensky's people are out there shooting the POWs in the kneecaps and in the balls, and uh, we're supposed to pretend like none of that's happening. But we're watching that invasion, yet we're not really soaking in the, the soft invasion that is happening to America from outside forces. And I put some of these corporations, Nike, you know, I put uh, Disney, Uh, Some of these corporations that started in America are now an anti-America invading force. And we have to look at it that the people that are backing Ukraine, the George Soros type, the World Economic Forum, the people that want Putin to be excommunicated by his citizens, which, you know, yeah, I would be fine with if that naturally occurred, but I don't need them using Ukraine as a proxy battle like it's the Houthis in in Yemen, um, we don't need them using this as a way to extend the soft invasion into America because that's what's happening. So the way to beat this back is going to have to be antitrust. It's going to have to be local. It's going to have to be on a state level. Hopefully we can get a majority in Congress and then we can have it on a federal level. But antitrust is going to be one way of doing this. And we have to look at what is a government? A government is a system or a group of people governing an organized community, generally a state, right? In the case of its broad associative definition, government normally consists of a legislature, executive, and a judiciary. Government is a means by which organizational policies are enforced as well as a mechanism for determining policy in many countries. And the government has a constitution, which is a governing set of principles and philosophies. And so we in America, as consented by the governed, have created a government that can do our bidding on national defense, on uh, necessary, uh, uh, you know, necessary things that can't be done by the private sector. And, you know, justice, right? Well, we keep looking at it as though government is run by the president and that, you know, everything comes top down and that they're going to do interest with other nations. And no, boil it down. It is consent of the governed. That means us, the citizens. So if we have grievances, we should be able to use the government To protect us from these uh, grievances that we have, to, uh, to rectify these grievances, right? Well, the grievance we have is we have a bunch of international corporations who are being used by authoritarian and socialist types to push across the finish line of policy ideas that we don't really subscribe to. That we never voted for. You didn't vote for climate change policy through ESG scores by, you know, boxing out oil industry or, you know, coal fire companies in favor of lithium battery companies and and electric cars through the lending practices of, you know, like a BlackRock or, you know, uh, any other place that you can go to, to to obtain capital. You didn't vote for that, right? And that's the problem here. So antitrust is going to be how we how we beat this. And what I really want to get to is the the argument that conservatives and libertarians have had. When they talk about business, normally they're looked at they look at it and go, well, you know, it's a private business. They can do what they want, right? You know, because they're looking at it from the wrong aspect. And I think it needs to be reset. I think we really need to get down to the definitive aspects of what we're dealing with so that we know how to approach it. I mean, conservatives, libertarians, they've always incorrectly looked at the concept of business as being a property by its owners. And so they can conduct business at their discretion. They can do what they want. They can sell what they want. They can deny service to who they want because they're looking at it from an ownership aspect. And there's some truth to that. But I think we have to look at it even deeper than that, because although you may own the business, what is the business in and of itself? Many businesses are incorporated. They are legal entities. And it's funny because the only thing that Mitt Romney ever said right when he was running for office in 2012 was that corporations are people and everybody laughed and said, see, he's out of touch, and he is out of touch. He's a moron. But um, here's the definition of corporation. It is an entity, such as a business, a municipality, so a government can be a a cooperation or a corporation, right? Or organization that involves more than one person, but that has met the legal requirements to operate as a single person. So that it may enter into contracts and engage in transactions under its own entity. So really, a corporation is an individual. It's just an entity of people that operate as a single individual. So now, in the case of vaccine mandates, right, this organization, this entity, this individual wants you to violate your individual rights and take a vaccine that you may not agree with that you may think hey this might make my heart two times bigger right taylor this might this might cause me to hit my head on the bed <laughs> i'm not i'm making assumptions here it's kind of i'm kind of joking even though i love taylor hawkins god god rest his soul and bob saget was a pretty funny comedian but really getting down to the point that what i was talking about we're looking at it as though Well, you need to get a vaccine to work for me, for my business that I own, and I can deny you employment or I can deny you the ability to come into my store and buy my product because you didn't take a medical shot. Well, really, the real argument is me as an individual has now said you have to violate your rights as an individual Because I don't want you coming into my store. I don't want to hire you to contractually work an agreement out for the purposes of labor or for the purposes of uh, receipt of title for an exchange of property like a purchase. Right, That's what this really is. It's individual liberty violating other people's individual liberties. Well, where does individual liberty end when you infringe upon others, others' others, rights? So that's how it should be looked at. And, you know, they can go out there and they can sell what they want legally, of course, as an individual. They cannot compel you as an individual to make a medical decision that you don't agree with. They can't be allowed to dictate how you are allowed to access capital because of an ESG score an esg score is a scam i mean it's not like a credit score a credit score you know the credit score rates your risk and values your ability to financially meet the requirements to acquire capital and so that that capital can be reciprocated right an esg score is a subjective morality score it's it's it'll box out people who don't completely fit in with it and then it's going to dictate the behaviors of other people well, you can't start dictating how people behave. We didn't vote for this. Financial institutions used to base off of, you know, lending off of the ability to pay, and it was a good faith decision to offer funds to you. And if you needed money, if your balance sheets and P and Ls look good, if they qualified these decisions, now they want to penalize you for lifestyle choices. What do you think would happen if all of the financial institutions decided that you know what? You have to become a believer in Christ. You have to give yourself over to Christ to receive lending. I mean, and then your friends, because they might be reputational risk, they too have to give themselves over to Christ. It's like knowing, you know, you're dealing with a values-based cu- company, right? That's that's the ESG idea behind it. They say, well, we want values-based cu- customers and, and v- value-based companies and value-based Uh, peripheral organizations. Well, maybe we want them all to be Christian based. Yeah, that wouldn't fly over so well with a good chunk of the pagan American these days. And this is the crux of what the World Economic Forum is trying to do. It is not only an antitrust violation, they're placing their individual rights as a corporation above your individual rights. In America, this shouldn't be allowed at all which is why they want to eliminate America. This is why they're operating in a post-America, because the Constitution would not allow them to do this normally, but we're just not following the Constitution. And like I said on a previous podcast, they're already governing a post-America. We just don't know its post yet. So the concept of protecting individual rights from a tyrannical government no longer exists if you get rid of the Constitution in, in the old America and the new system will be elites who will be the societal managers. You know, they'll be the ones to determine uh, whether or not people can engage in certain activities because, you know, they're, they're smart ones. Even though you never voted for them, you didn't vote for this crap. It's also why I kept saying once that Biden won and the Biden junta was installed that there probably wouldn't be a 2024 election. And then they'll have to fix the midterms because if they don't, they'll just have to jam everything they can in before November. And that's not going to sit well with others. So, antitrust, because it's an individual right being violated by another individual, a corporation, that's where this has to go. So, getting to the Michael Reckenwald article on the Great Reset, just to give you an idea of what we're dealing with, um, this is basically a good summary. If you're not familiar, I, th- I know most of you probably are, but if you're not familiar, I'm going to read a little bit of this article in the Great Reset, or they actually asked the question, is the Great Reset a conspiracy theory, imagining a vast left wing plot to establish a totalitarian one world government? No, despite the fact that some people may have spun conspiracy theories based on it, it is with some reason we will see the Great Reset is real. Indeed, just last year, Klaus Schwab, founder and executive chairman of the World Economic Forum, a famous organization made up by the world's political, economic, and cultural elites that meets in in Davos in Switzerland every year. And uh, Thierry Mallaret, co-founder and main author of Monthly Barometer, they published a book called COVID-19, The Great Reset. In the book, they define the Great Reset as a means of addressing the weaknesses of capitalism, that were purportedly exposed by the COVID pandemic. You know what the weakness of capitalism was that was exposed by the COVID pandemic? The fact that governments could shut it down. That was its weakness. Its weakness is we enter into a market, a marketplace, and we had governments shut the marketplace down. That wasn't a weakness of capitalism. That was a strengthening of overreach by government fiat. That's what that was. But anyways, back to the article. But the idea of the Great Reset goes back much further. It could be traced back at least as far back as the inception of the World Economic Forum, originally founded as the European Management Forum in 1971. You know, I had a theory that I think the Great Reset was really... the. the think about the Carter administration. The Carter administration was when we saw the height of climate change, uh, hysteria in the, in its beginning days, we saw the narrative of the ice age, the ushering in of the new ice age or the acid rain that was supposed to eat your Ford Pinto, right? Well, the gas shortages, I mean, all of these things that we're dealing with now, it's, it's almost like Joe Biden said, well, the formula is to do what Jimmy Carter did. So let's push interest rates way the hell up. Let's get climate change hysteria, and let's just put the Middle East in utter shambles and let it go wild, like Afghanistan and uh, and then we'll start a new cold war. Um, you know, we'll get Iran back on on being powerful again, you know, let's just get rid of the Shah and we'll just replace him with the Ayatollah, and then we'll put some pallets of cash in his backyard. It's almost as if they had to reset us back to 1970. And so being at the World economic Forum, started that year in 71, leading up to the Carter administration. He wasn't quite in yet. That makes you wonder, has this long push been going on that long? And this has always been the goal. They just didn't know when the timing would be ready. Um, I think it probably was. So going back to the article, in that same year, 1971, Charles Schwab, an engineer, and not Charles Schwab, I always want to say that, Klaus Schwab, Klaus Schwab, an engineer and economist by training, published his first book, Modern Enterprise Management and Mechanical Engineering. It was in this book that Schwab first introduced the concept he would later call stakeholder capitalism, arguing, quote, that the management of a modern enterprise must serve not only the shareholders, but all stakeholders to achieve long term growth and prosperity. Now, when they get into stakeholders, they're just talking about everybody. Somebody that doesn't have any business to do with the company and its profits and its return on investment and, you know, its products that you purchase. It's just you could be on the sideline and say uh, a car hits you and then what you were a stakeholder. So maybe you can sue the car company for the car that was built that hit you. Right. Guns. Right. Armalite rifles, because that's what's going to happen. This is how they, this is how they can gain power because it's the same thing that happened with the coronavirus. right? You're going to make me sick and you didn't do your job as a good citizen to get the vaccine. And now you're not wearing your mask. So you're going to get everyone else sick. You're not being a good stakeholder and you're getting other stakeholders sick. That's where this is all going. So, Schwab and the World Economic Forum have promoted the idea of stakeholder capitalism ever since. They can take credit for the stakeholder and public-private partnership rhetoric and policies embraced by governments, corporations, and non-governmental organizations and international governance bodies worldwide. The specific phrase Great Reset came into general circulation over a decade ago with a publication of a 2010 book, The Great Reset, by American urban studies scholar Richard Florida. Written in the aftermath of the 2008 financial crisis, Florida's book argued that the 2008 economic crash was the latest in a series of great resets, including the Long Depression of the 1870s, the Great Depression of the 1930s, which he defined as periods of paradigm-shifting systemic innovation. Four years after Florida's book was published, at the 2014 annual meeting of the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab declared... What we want to do in Davos this year is to push the reset button. And subsequently, the image of a reset button would appear on the World Economic Forum's website. In 2018 and 2019, the World Economic Forum organized two events that became the primary inspiration for the current Great Reset Project. And also, for obvious reasons, fresh fodder for conspiracy theorists. But don't blame me for that. For the latter. All I'm doing is relating all historical facts. So in May of 2018, the World Economic Forum collaborated with the Johns Hopkins Center for Health and Security to conduct, quote, Clade X, a simulation of a national pandemic response. Specifically, the exercise simulated the outbreak of a novel strain of a human para-influenza virus with the genetic elements of the NIFA virus called Clade X. The simulation ended with a news report stating that in the face of Clade X, Without effective vaccines, quote, experts tell us we could eventually see 30 to 40 million deaths in the United States and more than 900 million around the world, 12% of the global population. Clearly, preparation for a global pandemic was in order. So in October 2019, and I did a whole podcast in the very beginning of COVID, back in March of 2020, maybe it was April, on this event, the World Economic Forum collaborated with John Hopkins And the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation on another pandemic exercise, Event 201, which simulated an international response to an outbreak of a novel coronavirus. Hmm, That was just two months before the COVID outbreak in China became news and five months before the World Economic or the World Health Organization declared it a pandemic. And it closely resembled the future COVID scenario, including incorporating the idea of asymptomatic spread. Cladex and Event Two Hundred and One simulations anticipated almost every eventuality of the COVID crisis. Most notably, the responses by governments, health agencies, the media, tech companies, and the elements of the public. The responses and their effects included worldwide lockdowns, the collapse of businesses and the industries, uh, the adoption of a biometric surveillance technologies, which <laughs> all you PCR test uh, <laughs> precipitants. Yeah, all you people that got the jab. Yeah, I think there was some biometric collection happening there, guys. An emphasis on social media censorship to combat misinformation. Well, I was just locked out for 12 hours for making a joke about how uh, at least Taylor Hawkins didn't hit his head on the bed and just crawled in and went to bed. The flooding of social and uh, legacy media with authoritative sources, widespread riots and mass unemployment. In addition to being promoted as a response to COVID, the Great Reset is promoted as a response to climate change. In 2017, the World Economic Forum published a paper entitled, We Need to Reset the Global Operating System to Achieve the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. On June 13, 2019, the World Economic Forum signed a Memorandum of Understanding with the United Nations to form a partnership to advance the UN 2030 Agenda for sustainable development. Shortly after that, the World Economic Forum published the United Nations World Economic Forum's Strategic Partnership Framework for the 2030 Agenda, promising to help finance the UN's climate change agenda and committing the World Economic Forum to help the UN meet the needs of the Fourth Industrial Revolution, including providing assets and expertise for digital governance. In June 2020, at its 50th anniversary meeting, the World Economic Forum announced the Great Reset's official launch. And a month later, Schwab and Malloret published their book on COVID and the Great Reset. The book declared that COVID represents an opportunity that could be seized, that we should take advantage of this unprecedented opportunity to reimagine our world. And the moment must be seized to take advantage of this unique window of opportunity that For those fortunate enough to find themselves in industries naturally resistant and resilient to a pandemic, think here of big tech companies like Apple, Google, Facebook, Amazon, the crisis was not only more bearable, but even a source of profitable opportunities at a time of distress for the majority. They don't care about you. And you didn't vote for these people. And these people are going to take power and do what they want. And they're going to use business to coerce everyone into doing the bidding for them. Back to the article, the Great Reset aims to usher in a bewildering economic amalgam. Schwab's stakeholder capitalism, which I have called corporate socialism, and Italian philosopher Georgiano Agabin is called communist capitalism. In brief, stakeholder capitalism involves the behavioral modification of corporations to benefit not shareholders, but stakeholders, individuals and groups that stand to benefit or lose from corporate behavior. Stakeholder capitalism requires not only corporate responses to pandemics and ecological issues such as climate change, quote, but also rethinking corporations' commitments to already vulnerable communities within its ecosystem. This is the social justice aspect of the Great Reset. To comply with that, governments, banks, asset managers use the Environmental, Social, and Governance ESG score index to squeeze non-woke corporations and businesses out of the market. The ESG index is essentially a social credit score that is used to drive ownership and control of po- of production away from a non-woke or non-compliant organization. One of the World Economic Forum's many powerful strategic partners, BlackRock Inc, the world's largest asset uh, manager is solely behind the stakeholder model. In a letter or 2021 letter, the CEO of BlackRock, Larry Fink, he is a Fink, declared that climate risk is an investment risk and the creation of sustainable index investments has enabled a massive acceleration of capital towards companies better prepared to address climate risk. So Larry Fink is uh, choosing winners and choosing losers, which he is one of the biggest. He needs more than a great reset. He needs a great toupee Dude's balding. He needs, he needs to get some of that transhumanism technology and grow some hair up there. But, you know, here's the thing. Again, you didn't vote for Larry Fink. He gets to choose these things. But what happened when BlackRock was in its inception? They didn't have the power to choose crap. What happens if BlackRock de- decreases in power? Or are they still going to be the ones calling the shots? And why is BlackRock buying up all these neighborhoods and houses? Well, they're not doing it for investment sake. They're buying it for way over the over the over the asking price and over the market price, the fair market value. Because I think this is where the 2030 agenda you'll own nothing and be happy is coming into play. They're going to buy up the the housing inventory and then they're just going to rent it back to you. But he wrote, and see that's when, when they get into houses That's how they're going to pull this thing too Well your house isn't energy efficient enough You don't meet the ESG score Because you don't have solar panels on your, on your uh, roof You don't have green energy windows So we're going to dock you some points there And eventually, uh, eh, you can't pay the taxes To meet those uh, new hits that you're taking on your score So we're just going to, eh, we're going to seize your home Think that that can't happen? The COVID pandemic, Fink wrote, accelerated the flow of funds towards sustainable investments. Quote, we have long believed that our clients as shareholders in your company will benefit if you can create sustainable value for all of your stakeholders. As more and more investors close their tilt and tilt their investments towards sustainability focused companies, the tectonic shift we are seeing will accelerate further. And because we will have such a dramatic impact on how capital is allocated, every management team and board will need to consider how this will impact their company's stock. Fink's letter is more than a report to CEOs. It is an implicit threat. Be woke or else. It's really amazing. I mean, they're weaponizing capital. And again, you as an individual should have the ability to access capital and not be infringed upon by your rights because of a corporation who is an individual in their recent book on the great reset schwab and malleret put uh pit stakeholder capitalism against neoliberalism defining the latter as a corpus of ideas and policies favoring competition over solidarity Creative destruction over government intervention and economic growth over societal welfare. In other words, neoliberalism refers to the free enterprise system. In opposing that system, stakeholder capitalism entails corporate cooperation with the state and vastly increased government intervention in the economy. Proponents of the Great Reset hold neoliberalism responsible for our economic woes, but in truth, the governmental favoring of industries and players within industries. What used to be known as corporatism or economic fascism has been the real source of what Schwab and his allies at the World Economic Forum should decry. While approved corporations are not necessarily monopolies, the tendency of the Great Reset is toward monopolization, vesting as much control over production and distribution in as few favored corporations as possible while eliminating industries and producers deemed non-essential or inimical. To bring this reset about, Schwab writes, every country from the United States to China must participate, and every industry from oil and gas to tech must be transformed. Did you vote for that? Another way of describing the goal of the Great Reset is capitalism with Chinese characteristics a two tiered economy with a profitable monopoly and the state on top of socialism for the majority below. Several decades ago, China, as China's growing reliance on for-profit sectors of its economy could no longer be credibly denied by the Chinese Communist Party, its leadership approved the slogan socialism with Chinese characteristics to describe its economic system. Formulated by Ding Xiaoping. this phrase was meant to rationalize the Chinese Communist Party's allowance for for-profit development under a socialist political system the CCP considered the privatization of the Chinese economy to be a temporary phase lasting as long as a hundred years, if necessary on the way to a communist society. I love how these, these countries do this. They stick their toe in the water of capitalism and then they get rich and they get prosperous and their economies come into play. You can see that for Sweden. You can see that for many of these other countries that had, more socialist leaning ideologies. And then when they scaled off of it, they took their foot off the neck of capitalism. They thrived and then they just let it thrive enough to where "Eh, we're good. Now we've got our winners. We got our losers. We got people that have made it to the middle. Let's just cap it off and get back to the communism at this point. But you know what? It's like a spigot. You turn it off, you lose it. Your profits go down. Yeah, those at the very tippy-tippy top, as Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez likes to say, they might be shielded and insulated, but there's still going to be a lot more people that are destitute. We're going to get into a little bit more of this on the other side of the break because I really wanted to focus in on the individual aspect of a corporation and uh, pick up the rest of this amazing article on The Great Reset on the other side of the break. This is Adrian Slade. All right, so Michael Reckenwald's piece on the Great Reset. Uh, of course, Michael Reckenwald, a, a professor from Hillsdale College now, um, he was, I think he was from Boston College, and he got ousted because he was, uh, you know, the wokesters came after him. And you know, it's funny, I've been watching on Apple Plus or Apple TV, whatever the hell these streaming services are, something plus, something TV, something whatever. Uh, we, we crashed. It's based on the company we worked. And there is just amazing displays of cancel culture throughout. Um, You know, the one lady gets up there, Anne Hathaway, the wife of the CEO created the company, gets up there and says something about supporting her husband. And the feminists get all pissed off. And now they want to cancel the company. That's how these people are. And they went after Michael Reckenwald. And the guy is brilliant. The guy brought some amazing things to the table Um, as far as viewpoints. And his knowledge, the problem is he realized that the communists have taken over the left. And what he thought was the old classical liberal, the classical liberalism of the left, um, he has learned that that's gone now. (laughs) He thought it was still there. So picking back up on his article, he said party leaders maintain that the approach has been necessary in China because socialism was introduced too early there when China was a backwards um, agrarian country. China needed a capitalist booster shot. (laughs) Well, no pun intended with the boosters. Stripped of its socialist ideological pretensions, the Chinese system amounts to a socialist or communist state increasingly funded by a capitalist economic development. The difference between the former Soviet Union and the contemporary China is that when it became obvious that a socialist economy had failed, The former gave up its socialist economic pretenses while the latter has not. The Great Reset represents the development of the Chinese system in the West, but in reverse. Whereas the Chinese political class began with a socialist political system and then introduced privately held for-profit production, the West began with a capitalist system and is now implementing Chinese-style political systems. This Chinese-style system includes vastly increased state intervention in the economy on the one hand and on the other hand the kind of authoritarian measures that the chinese government uses to control the population klaus schwab and uh, malleret wrote that if in the past five centuries in europe and america have taught us anything it's that acute crises contribute to boosting the power of the state it's always been the case and there's no reason it should be any different with the covid-19 pandemic the draconian lockdown measures employed by the western governments managed to accomplish the goals of which uh, the goals of which corporate socialists in the world economic forum would only dream of above all the destruction of small businesses, eliminating uh, competitors for corporate monopolist favored by the state In the U S alone, according to the foundation for economic education, millions of small businesses closed their doors due to lockdowns. Yelp data indicates that 60% of the closures are now permanent. Meanwhile, Companies like Amazon, Apple, Facebook, Google enjoyed record gains. Other developments that advanced the Great Reset agenda have included unfettered immigration, travel restrictions for otherwise legal border crossings, the Federal Reserve's unrestrained printing of money and the subsequent inflation, increased taxation, increased dependence on state broken supply chains, the restrictions and job losses due to vaccine mandates, and the prospect of personal carbon, carbon allowances. Now, remember... At the very height of the lockdown, the World Economic Forum put out a video praising the quietness, praising the lack of of travel due to the lockdowns. They were reveling in it while you were anxious, scared, hiding out in your home, not knowing what your job was going to do, not knowing if you were even going to go back to a job, whether or not you can engage in commerce outside of going on Amazon and having everything shipped to your house so you can Clorox it with bleach. Um, yeah, they were bankrolling and they were praising the fact that it reduced the carbon footprint, but it didn't reduce it enough. Even with that kind of lockdown, such policies reflect the fairness aspect of the great reset. Fairness requires lowering the economic status of people in wealthier nations like the U S relative to that of people in the poorer regions of the world If you've listened to my podcast, you know I keep saying they cannot take down a strong America. They have to deflate us and have us lowered to the third world level before they can do any of this. I mean, the Trump era should be an indicator of that. The Reagan era, an indicator of that. So getting back to the article. One of the functions of woke ideology is to make the majority in the developed countries feel guilty about their wealth with the elites, um, which the elites aim to reset downwards, except one notices for the elites themselves who need to be rich in order to fly their private jets to Davos each year. (laughs) So they're frauds. Anyways, the Great Reset's corporate stakeholder model overlaps with its governance and geopolitical model. States and favored corporations are combined in public private partnerships and together have control of governance this corporate style hybrid is largely unaccountable to the constituents of national governments right did you vote for any of this no you didn't i keep saying that we didn't vote for this and they don't care they're going to set themselves above you their individual rights as a corporation are greater than your individual rights as an as an individual Governance is not only increasingly privatized, but also, more importantly, corporations are deputized as major additions to governments and intergovernmental bodies. The state is thereby extended, enhanced, and augmented by the addition of enormous corporate assets. As such, corporations become what I have called governmentalities. Otherwise, private organizations wielded as state apparatus with no obligation to answer to pesky voters. Since these corporations are multinational, the state essentially becomes globalist, whether or not a one-world government is ever formalized. As if their economic and governmental resets are not dramatic enough, the technological reset reads like a dystopian science fiction novel. It is based on the Fourth Industrial Revolution, or 4-IR for short. The first, second, and third industrial revolutions were mechanical, electrical, and digital revolutions. The fourth is the convergence of existing and emerging fields, including big data, artificial intelligence, machine learning, quantum computing, genetics, nanotechnology, which is the fusion of human and uh, tech, and robotics. The foreseen result will be the merging of the physical, digital, and biological worlds, which presents a challenge to the ontology... Um, By which we understand ourselves and the world, including the definition of the human being. I'm starting to think when he gets into this part about transhumanism, that was the point of the forced vaccinations. When Robert Malone was talking about the tech behind the mRNA messenger RNA uh, vaccine, the spike protein, basically it was a vehicle. He describes it as such. It's a vehicle. It goes into the cells and brings along whatever it is. That's what it's messaging to the cells. Let me in. And it's going to allow whatever is within it, the spike protein, to do its thing. They've talked about how they can put hard drives on a strand of DNA. They've talked about how you can upload your mind to the cloud. At least that's what that World Economic Forum video did on a couple podcasts I played back. Do you think that they need the mRNA technology to slide into the cells carrying this tech? Seems like they do. And would they go all out to just force an entire population into doing it to see if they can? And then in the process, when you get tested, they get to rope in all that biomedical information. And if you think that's conspiracy theorists, (laughs) <laughs> or conspiracy theories You're wrong because they actually said Oh by the way look what we were able to do With the data we got from your PCR test They outright admitted it in an article Anyways There's nothing original about this Transhumanist and singularitarians Prophets of technological singularity Such as Ray Kurzweil Forecasted these things in other revolutionary Developments long ago What's different about the globalist vision of the fourth revolution industrial revolution is the attempt to harness it to the ends of the great reset if already existing 4IR developments are any indication of the future then the claim that it will be it will contribute to human happiness is false these developments include internet algorithms that feed users prescribed news and advertisements and downrank or exclude banned content get ready conservatives in your media you will be banned from the technological fusion um these uh, algorithms that censor social media content and consign dangerous individuals and organizations to digital gulags keyboard warrants based on search engine inputs apps that track and trace covid violations and report offenders to the police robot police and scanners Uh, with scanners to identify and round up the unvaccinated and other dissidents smart cities where residents are digital entities to be monitored, surveilled, and recorded, and where data on their very every move is collected, uh, collated, stored, attached to a digital identity and a social credit score. In short, the fourth IR, technologies, Uh, subject human beings to a kind of technological management that makes surveillance by the NSA look like child's play. Klaus Schwab goes so far as to cheer developments to aim to connect humans' brains directly to the cloud for the sake of data mining our thoughts and memories. If successful, this would constitute a technological mastery over the decision-making that would threaten human autonomy and undermine free will. Yeah, we don't ever see when given great power to a human being ever went awry. These people are trying to be God. That's why I say that this is an evil, satanic movement. They're trying to be God because they have just rejected God and put themselves in the place of God. And one way that we can defeat this, outside of revival, where everybody would reject it on, on the, their values and, and faith alone, is using the vehicle that we actually have at our disposal, and that is government. And I'm not advocating for big government. I'm advocating for government as it was designed to do. The 4IR seems to accelerate the merging of humans and machines, resulting in a world in which all information, including genetic information, is shared, and every action, thought, and motivation is known, predicted, and possibly precluded. Unless taken out of the hands of corporate social, socialist technocrats, the 4IR will eventually lead to a virtual and inescapable prison of the body and mind. In terms of the social order, the Great Reset promises inclusion in a shared destiny, but the subordination of so-called innet. A netizens, or netizens, I guess that's what a word he came up with, implies economic and political disenfranchisement, a hypervigilance over self and others, and social isolation, or what Hannah Ardent called a organized loneliness on a global scale. this this is the organized loneliness, which is already manifested in lockdowns, masking social distancing, and the social exclusion of the unvaccinated. The title of the Ad Council's March 2020 public service announcement, Alone Together, perfectly captures this sense of organized loneliness. In my recent book, Google Archipelago, I argued that leftist authoritarianism is the political ideology and modus operandi of what I called Big Digital, which is on the leading edge of a nascent world system, the Big Digital uh, is, a core, is a communications, ideological, and technological arm of an emerging corporate socialist totalitarianism. The Great Reset is the name that has been since given to the project establishing this world system. Just as Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum predicted, the COVID crisis has accelerated the Great Reset. Monopolistic corporations have consolidated their grip on the economy from above, while socialism continues to advance for the, for the rest of us below. In partnership with big digital, big pharma, the mainstream media, national and international health agencies and compliant populations, here too, uh, here there too, democratic Western states think especially Australia, New Zealand and Austria are being transformed into totalitarian regimes modeled after China. But let me end on a note of hope. Because of the goals of the Great Reset, because they those goals depend on the obliteration of not only of free markets, but individual liberty and freedom and free will, it is, perhaps ironically, unsustainable. Like earlier attempts at totalitarianism, the Great Reset is doomed to ultimate failure. That doesn't mean, however, that it won't, again, like earlier attempts, leave a lot of room for destruction in its wake, which is all the more reason to oppose it now and with our might. And of course, my solution is to treat them as they actually are, and not give a false, a false place in society as being owners of companies that can do what they want because they have freedom because we're libertarians and we think we get off my lawn don't don't tell me how to run my business these businesses are individuals and if these individual businesses these corporations who are individuals um, have values and principles that conflict. With our values and principles, well, they should not be able to demand us to to bow and adhere to them. So antitrust needs to be enforced. Anti-ESG legislation needs to be on the books. Section 230 removal of protection for social media platforms needs to be removed. These people need to be knocked down. And until we get enough people in power to make that happen, this train is going to run right over us. But I'm seeing a movement. And um, we might possibly be in a position to shut this down, especially if we get a good favorable midterm election. If we have good states turning red like we did here in Virginia, it's possible like the 20 point lead that that Governor DeSantis has on all his competitors, even Charlie Crist. So we just have to look locally and we have to think logically And think fundamentally about What a corporation is And again A corporation is an individual And their rights Should not infringe upon yours I'm Adrian Slade, thanks for tuning in Check out the podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Spreaker Tune in, you can also get it on The Roku streaming channel Um, Go to your streaming store Download the Adrian Slade Show Roku channel I haven't updated it in a while, I'm sorry But I will be updating it and catching it back up to date Um, Donate anchor.fm slash adrian slade slash support be on the show call in 1929 go go usa god bless